ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's episode of No Liberty. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I am your host, of course, Caleb Franz, and I am thrilled to be here, and I am thrilled to have you here. Welcome. Uh, this week we have an incredibly important episode, I believe, that is one issue that is a little bit more divisive in the liberty movement, um, and I think it's one that there are very valid points on both sides, but I think that there's only, um, this is one of the issues where y you cannot get wrong, uh, and I think that it's incredibly important that we start having this conversation um, about it, and that, of course, I'm talking about is... Uh, being pro-life and being in the liberty movement and what that means. Uh, last weekend, we had, of course, the, the Women's March on Washington, D.C. That is a bit ironic to, to kind of encompass all women in it when they very clearly did not represent all women. It was very specific to a very specific crowd, a very particular crowd in... Um, in the march. I mean, they had they had Elizabeth Warren, of all people, to speak at it. Um, but this weekend, this coming weekend, um, and this is kind of why I chose to do this episode uh, this weekend, or this week, I should say, is the March for Life. And this, uh, the, the March for Life, of course, they have every year, and people of, of all sorts of um, backgrounds and, and, religions and faiths and political ideologies um, all come together and all stand for one common theme, one common goal, and that is that each individual has the right to self-ownership. And I think that in the liberty movement this is a bit of a disconnect because it seems to me that Everyone, you have you have left libertarians who are obviously very uh, pro-choice. Gary Johnson uh, ran as a libertarian and very openly spoke about this, and and I think in part it damaged a little bit of what what the definition of being a libertarian is, because being a libertarian is not being part liberal on one on on some aspects and then part conservative on other aspects. That's not at all what being a libertarian is. Uh, being a libertarian is being completely, 100%, not, not partially uh, part of one party and partially part of another, but 100% completely for liberty and for self-ownership. That's libertarianism in a nutshell. It's not pulling now. Now some uh, some in the right have some of those aspects. Some in the left, they have some of those aspects. But it is incorrect just to try to put it all together, um, right and left, just for the sake of putting it all together, just for the sake of being moderate on on some issues. Um, and I think this is one of those issues where. It illustrates just how important it is. Because if we don't understand what 
if we don't understand that the right to life is first and foremost and equal to the right to our liberty, we cannot defend one without the other. We cannot, uh, it, it, it illustrates our misunderstanding of what natural rights are. Libertarians are supposed to know and supposed to comprehend what natural rights are. They're inherent in our humanity. And at the core of the pro-life movement, for the most part, there will always be exceptions, but for the most part, at the core of the pro-life movement is the basic understanding that your rights are inherent in your humanity. Thomas Jefferson wrote about it in the Declaration of Independence, that we are endowed from God our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life comes first because you can't have the others <laughs> unless you're alive. Now, that does not mean that you should sacrifice one um, for the other. That's not the, way, that's not the way rights work at all. But the right to life is, is first and foremost because it is, it is inherent. Nobody has the right to, to take your life away from you. Because when they're taking your life away from you, they're taking your liberty away from you. They're taking um, your, your potential away from you. They're taking your possibility away from you. And the world suffers because you are not in it to add value to it. This is why it is incredibly important that we dominate the conversation on what natural rights are. This is why it is incredibly important that we understand and define what natural rights are and what the relation with natural rights and how they relate to every issue that we talk about. First and foremost, natural rights are negative rights. Those are the only kind of rights that, that you actually have. Natural rights are negative rights. And what do I mean that, by that? We've talked about this a little bit before. Um, the, the difference in natural rights, or excuse me, negative rights and positive rights. And quite simply, positive rights just aren't rights at all. They are what people would think of as entitlements, maybe. They are, when Bernie Sanders talks about health care being a right, and we can get into a little bit about that um, shortly, but this is, this is, this is the, the disconnect that we fail to understand, not just as libertarians, not just um, as individuals in the liberty movement, but as people and as Americans and as human beings, quite honestly. Your rights cannot be given to you, okay? Your right to life is inherent in you. When you are alive, government didn't give that to you. When you were born, that right to your own personal life was yours. But you are alive before you're born. Just because you're still in the womb doesn't mean, doesn't mean that... Um, you you can't feel anything. It doesn't mean that you aren't uh, dreaming or, or you aren't thinking. This is scientifically proven. And to take that right to life away from anyone 
inside the womb or outside the womb. This is this is why we we talk about the right to self defense being so um, important as well, because quite honestly, that aligns perfectly with the right to life. We don't not not everyone has the right to an AR fifteen in the sense that you have to be supplied with an AR fifteen, but you have the right to defend yourself, and the government cannot tell you what way you are to defend yourself because you know best how to do that it's individual someone might not need one but you might you do not know what kind of situation you are going to be confronted with we have to understand that rights are negative first and foremost they're negative meaning they cannot be given to you positive rights such as food health care um, Things that can be provided by government. Those aren't really rights. You don't have the right to food. You have the right to pursue it. This is all outlined and this is all encompassed um, when, when the phrase uh, to pursue your own happiness. When, when that was put inside the Declaration of Independence, this, that was the understanding that you are not entitled to anything that you cannot make yourself except for what is inherent in you. They are negative, they are inalienable, meaning nobody can take them away. They are individual and they are inherent. Being a human being, it's not an American right. There are no such, rights aren't defined by the country that you live in. They may be protected by the country you live in, but that doesn't define them. And this is incredibly important because Americans, uh, especially on the conservative side, I've noticed on certain issues um, and then the left on the other issues, that we seem to have this concept that just because we live in America, that that is how we have the right to certain things, right? So... Um, the right to life is, is not just simply an American life. Likewise, the, we, we cannot simply say, we cannot simply hold indefinitely people from across the world just because they're not American citizens, because, because they have the right not to be persecuted um, by government, and they have the right to a fair trial, even if they are horrible, horrible people. These are human rights, and that's incredibly important. It's incredibly important to understand that, that, that these aren't defined by your borders. They're not limited to the area in which you live in. Just because you live in North Korea doesn't mean that the government of North Korea should be doing the things that they are doing. Because, not because they're, it's just like it's, it's nice, to give you liberty because you have the right to liberty. And likewise, you have the right to the life that, that, uh, that provides and expands and expresses that liberty. That's what it's about. So as libertarians, we have a, a very interesting um, choice in front of us. We have a very interesting dilemma, if you will. As libertarians, we have to uh, make a very clear and coherent 
um, arguments in defense for all life and all liberty. If we are to be consistent, I believe, if we are to be consistent, we cannot simply say uh, that, that you have the right to liberty, you have the right to free speech, you have the right to um, self-defense, you have the right to practice your own religion, and then simultaneously say that, well, you, you, you can kill another person, you can kill another human being if, if that human being is inside you. Because the last time I checked, a human being doesn't have two hearts, two heads, four arms, four legs. That's an entirely separate person, and it has, it's, it's not about your body. It's about the body that is inside you. And that person inside you, the human being inside you, even though it, it doesn't understand anything that's going on around it, um, it doesn't understand who you are really, I mean, it has some natural instincts, but doesn't really understand who you are. It still has basic natural rights. You don't have to understand what's going on around you to, to, to not have your rights violated. And among those rights are most inherent the right to simply live, to simply be born, to simply have a chance to to go out and make whatever, whatever life it wants to make of it. Just because some may not want the responsibility of, of taking care of it, we have to be understanding that, that killing the child is, is not necessarily the answer to that. That there are other options other than, 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 Abortion. There's the, the possibility of adoption. Just because you may not want your child doesn't mean that other people don't. Doesn't mean that other people won't take care of it. You see, in America, we have an incredibly... It's very interesting. Because while America certainly has problems, it is still the most compassionate and caring society on the face of the earth. And part of that has to do with our values. Part of that has to do with the system that is instated in America, the system of capitalism that allows us to, to pursue our own happiness to the fullest extent and has unleashed unlimited amount of prosperity for us. But regardless, regardless of the reasoning, we are the most compassionate society on the face of the earth. It's because it's not forced. And when you give people the option, especially those who, who um, might not be able to procreate, especially those who um, might be too old to procreate, especially those who um, might just want to simply, simply try to give someone a better life than what they may currently have, there are options. And a life is better than no life. Libertarianism is, is deeply rooted in the ideas of self-ownership. Okay, we all know that. The liberty movement is, is deeply rooted in the ideas that you can't tell me what to do with my own life. It doesn't matter who you are, you can't tell me what to do in my own house. 
right? I have the right to privacy. I have the right to, um, uh, I I have the right to pursue my own goals. If I want to, to sit in my own house and and smoke a a joint and click the TV, that's my right, because I have the right to self ownership. Likewise, if I want to go out and, um become as successful as possible because the only limits and the only barriers that are stopping me are the ones that I allow to stop me, that's also my right. Because we have the right to fail, we have the right to succeed. These are all things that we generally understand, that the government cannot just stop us from doing things just because they think it's not nice or not fair. We understand these things as libertarians. We understand these things as individuals who are a part of a, a movement that is much bigger than any individual within the movement. It's about human freedom. It's about human liberation. We all understand this. Yet for some reason, that idea of self-ownership, that idea that every single person should be allowed to pursue their goals to the fullest extent of their heart's desire so long as they are not harming anyone else and so long as they are not using anyone else involuntarily that is if it's voluntary it's whatever involuntarily using someone else i.e. through the government for some reason that understanding that basic understanding of of individual human rights of self-ownership of the pursuit of happiness, of liberty, that seems to have a bit of a divide in our own movement, in our own side. And that's a bit concerning, because I believe that very shortly, sooner rather than later, we are going to face a major dilemma, and we are going to be faced with the choice, the same way that Many people were faced with the, the same choice in the time of, of, of slavery. Are we going to be a society that continues to allow the slaughter of millions and millions of, of people every single year? Are we honestly going to allow that? If we truly understand what it means to be an individual, are we truly going to allow that? Likewise, however, and and this is this is important to understand up until now i've i've kind of been harping a little bit on the on the left side of the libertarian movement now it's my time now it's my turn to harp a little bit on the right side of not just the liberty movement but the um conservative movement as well first of all it is much more important i believe to be culturally pro life and create this culture of life as opposed to trying to change it on the legislative level or trying to overturn Roe v. Wade or trying to do something that ultimately will probably fail through the government because we don't still understand what it means to be um, a free human being anymore. It is much more important to be a culture of life because that's something that will last. That is something 
that will not just change with the times. If you change the culture, you, laws change all the time. Just look at the way that Trump has been doing things. For good or for bad, and I believe it's a little bit of both so far, um, for good or for bad, he's been changing a lot of laws through executive decree, just like that. Laws change all the time. Legislation change all the time. The rule of law tends to fluctuate. But an understanding, a cultural movement, that is very difficult to overturn. That is very, very difficult to switch the influence. Now, we understood in fields of, say, the drug war, for example, that's something that is, is culturally changing. We went from Nixon, from, and from uh, the war on drugs, to now legalizing marijuana in most states, almost. And I believe that, if I may make a prediction, and, and I've made this before, I, I do believe that, with the exception of maybe a few states holding out, that marijuana will be legalized across the board by the end of the decade in 2020, with, like I said, maybe a few exceptions of, of those few that hold out. Um, the same way with whether you like the way it, it happened or whether you like that it happened or not, um, the same way with, with gay marriage. Those two issues have gone a little bit to the left. Culturally, we have gone a little bit to the left, but I don't know if it was actually to the left. I think it may have been actually a little bit more toward the spectrum of being libertarian because people are beginning to question why why should we be told what to do? Why should we let the government make these decisions make these decisions for us? Well, I think the exception in, on on these kind of issues is on the issue of life. I think culturally we are making strides to be a society that protects the weakest among us, that protects the lives of those yet to be born. That is very important, and that I think is very good, but we are nowhere near the point to where we need to be. We're at the point to where we're making strides and people are listening, but if we drop the ball, it will slingshot in the other direction. And millions upon millions more will suffer because of it. But understand, and this is, this is probably the most important thing that we can do for being pro-life. The most important thing. Everything else that I've said, this is more important. We cannot cease to be pro-life just because the child is born. Okay? That's the easy part, believe it or not. Getting it to its first birthday, that's the easy part. After the child is born, that's where it begins to get difficult. Um, I did not at all like Chris Christie when he, whenever he ran for president, but I think that the greatest contribution that he made to the presidential cycle was when he spoke of exactly what I'm um, relaying to you now, that life is not just precious before the child is born. Life must... This consistency has to happen. It has to, or else everything is, is for nothing. Everything that we fight for, everything that we do, it's all for nothing. This consistency has to happen. 
life has to be valued equally before and after birth. As I said before, the right to self-defense is in part the right to life. We have to be able to defend um, our right to defend ourselves, our family, our friends, with whatever means necessary. That's part of the right to life. But you know what else is also part of the right to life? You know what else is also being pro-life? Standing up for things such as criminal justice reform. Because I'm pro-life for those who are rotting away in prison for a minor drug offense. Not only is that a pro-liberty stance, and I'm not even talking about legalization necessarily. I'm talking about the fact that people are spending 25 years in prison because they had marijuana in their car, in their glove compartment. How can you possibly be pro-life and support something like that? You certainly can't be pro-liberty. If you aren't valuing an individual's life to the fullest extent and you're locking people away for petty things like that, and we don't try to, to have a period of, of redemption after they get out, they're still treated like criminals, and that's how they often go back to prison, because they don't have a life after they get out of prison. How can you possibly stand for life if you are not standing up for every individual's fullest potential to thrive and to, and to flourish in life? That only makes sense to me. That if you are going to stand for life, you have to be able to stand for their entire life. You have to be able to stand for every single person's fullest potential. And if they're rotting away in prison because they had a bag of weed in their car for 25 years, that's not pro-life. You're not supporting that man's life or that woman's life. We also must be pro-life in concerns um, about police reform. And we talked about a little bit about this whenever this show began, um, because right around that time there was there were uh, riots and such in Charleston, uh, South Carolina. We have to be pro-life for the lives of people like uh, Eric Gardner or Philando Castle. We cannot just accept that police are always doing the right thing. I don't think that's consistent. In no other profession would we accept that. And, and allow me to, to speak to both sides of the crowd here on, on this issue. We must be pro-life for the lives of people like Eric Gardner and Philando Castro. Understand that, my conservative friends, that, believe it or not, police, they're part of government too. They're part of the big government that you're afraid of and that they should not ever get an exception just because they're wearing a, a certain uniform to work. Understand this, my left-leaning friends, that they are people with families too, the police officers, and they do not have the, have, nobody has the right to gun them down like they were in Dallas this past, what was it, July? Nobody has the right to do that just because they're wearing, like I said, a certain uniform. It works both ways, and I think Personally, I think that the best way to approach that, as I've said in an episode prior, 
um, I think the best way to approach that is to make policing. This will make both um, police and suspect. It'll make everything safer. It'll make everything safer for life and for liberty. Make policing reactive rather than proactive. I think that will save so much time, so much headache, and so many tears. But regardless, you have to be pro-life for both. We cannot pick and choose which lives are important and which lives are not. And we cannot ignore the cries of people who are genuinely concerned about their own personal lives in, in, in this situation. I'm talking to the Black Lives Matter crowd, and I'm talking to the Blue Lives Matter crowd. We have to be receptive of both sides for the sake of life and for the sake of liberty. We have to be receptive to both sides. I also believe that you cannot be pro-life if you support the war on drugs. Not to the fullest extent, anyway. You can maybe for the child, maybe for the, for the unborn child, when it's really easy to be pro-life because they haven't done anything wrong. But I also believe you cannot be pro-life to the fullest extent, the way that we should all be striving to be, um, if you support the war on drugs. Because so many people have died because of this. Because we have classified so many drugs as a criminal offense and has driven people into black markets and underground and gang, gang activity. Nothing about that is supporting life to its fullest uh, potential. Or life, period. You are either robbing them of their liberty, you are either robbing them of their potential, or you are robbing them of their life itself. Either through drug raids or through... Um, getting involved in uh, gang activity, as I said, in a culture of violence or overdose. There is nothing pro-life about the war on drugs. And here's something I think that we should all, every single one of us, keep in mind. That, like I said, like uh, the rest of these, you cannot be pro-life to the fullest extent if you don't support a foreign policy that supports life on all occasions. And this one's very tricky because this one we may want to jump into things because we see people suffering. And make no mistake, I'm not saying that we should at all um, get involved all across the world and be the world's policemen because of this. No, this is actually quite the opposite of what I'm saying. I'm saying the best way to support life and liberty across the world is to give them the fire that we have of protecting it. We can't just drop bombs on people and expect for things to get better all of a sudden. Because oftentimes, whenever we're dropping bombs on, quote, terrorists across the world, we're causing more suffering. And we are creating more terrorists than what we kill because we're killing their families. We currently have a president who, who doesn't really think it's a, um, it is a, Bad thing if we kill the families of terrorists because that's, of course, what they do to us. Yet he will still stand up and say, abortion's wrong. I'm very pro-life. I'm not pro-choice anymore. Well, Mr. President, I am calling to hold you accountable on this. If you are going to be pro-life, you have to be pro-life for everyone. That even means the families of those who we think are despicable. This is incredibly important in our consistency. It doesn't stop at birth. 
We cannot stop at birth. If we are to be a culture of life, we must support their right to liberty. We must support their right to pursue their fullest potential. And we must support the lives of those who we might see not necessarily the stand-up citizens that we all would likely strive to be, but it doesn't matter because they're people, they're human beings. And we must support the lives of those all across the world. And I'm not calling for that, for government intervention to do that necessarily on that last point. Because as it was just as important to be pro-life culturally as opposed to legislatively, and have a bigger impact culturally as opposed to legislatively. Though I think that there is a place in the legislature for this. It won't have as big of an impact if we aren't culturally pro-life. I think that we can do this privately and defend life and defend liberty by, by inspiring people to live the way that we have and leading by example. And I think that's one of the best ways. And, and just simply not dropping bombs on people is a pretty good start. Being pro-life means that you have to support everything that life encompasses. Being pro-life means that you have to support all the liberty that you are endowed with. All the potential that you have. That's part of it. That's that's the name of the game. Because if you're just supporting life just for, for life, then you really don't understand. It doesn't just stop there. Because if you don't support liberty at the same time, what's the purpose of living in the first place? As I said in the beginning of this episode, you can't have liberty without life. Now we have come a, a bit full circle, haven't we? Because while you cannot have liberty without life, you cannot reach the fullest potential of your life without liberty. It's interesting how that works, isn't it? It's very interesting how that works. They are in, uh, entangled. They are intertwined. You cannot have one without the other. Rights are pretty funny. They work that way. You don't have to sacrifice one, one right to get another. Rights are inherent in you. And the right to life must be viewed that way. And my last point that I want to um, bring up and I think this is incredibly important, and I want, I want each and every one of you to apply this not just in the area of um, abortion and being pro-life, but in every issue you can possibly think of. And that is that in being pro-life and in and, and spreading the message of liberty in general, it has to come from a stance of inclusiveness and open arms. It cannot come from a stance of judgment. It cannot come from a position where you are shunning the other people or the other person if they are receptive. Because I think that's the last, the last key to the puzzle, is that as this is the purpose of, of this show itself, we have to be a community of individuals, not a collective, because we're not a collective. Every single person has individual talents individual traits that make them unique. But if we are expecting to change the culture, it cannot come necessarily through force. It must come from inclusiveness, from open arms, from understanding, from conversation, 
what I'm doing with you right now, having a conversation with you from listening, more listening as opposed to speaking. If we are going to change the culture for life and liberty, then that is something we have to understand. We have to we have to stand up um, for the right to life and the right to liberty from a position of, of love and in, inclusion and openness. Because the second we start shunning people and judging people, that's the second that we are losing the argument. That's the second that... Now, understand, there are some people you cannot reach, and I, I completely accept that, and I completely understand that. But if you are going out of your way to try to offend people just for the sake of it, you're doing it wrong. If you're going out of the way to try to burn bridges, to burn more bridges than what you're building, you're doing it wrong. Because you're not changing anything. You're adding to the division. You're adding to the hatred. You're adding to the um, you're adding to the lack of unity in this country. Don't wait on the left to pick up their britches and say, "Okay, guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're we're you know we we are triggered easily. I'm sorry about that. It's on you to change the conversation. It's on you to change." the way that you are messaging. I'm not saying you have to reach everyone, because you won't. That's an unrealistic goal. But what I am saying is that we must, we must be willing to listen. That is the first step in accomplishing everything that I have outlined on this episode today about life and liberty. While you can't have one without the other, you're going to have neither if you cannot accept the fact that you have to be able to listen. You can't have life without free speech, right? You can't have liberty without free speech, right? Use it the way it's supposed to be used. Have an open conversation. Just because you can technically trigger people, it's not against the law, nor should it be, doesn't mean you should. Because free speech is best used whenever it's talking about the things that unite people. And quite honestly, that's when governments all across the world will start shaking in their boots. Because when they see that the people are being united over these issues, over the issues that they're trying to divide us over, that's when they start losing. And that's when they go into panic mode. If we are going to be a culture of life, and a culture of liberty, and a culture that sees and utilize, utilizes humanity's fullest potential that God has given us, that's where we have to start. That is where we have to start. I thank you for joining me this week. Um, I think that this is an incredibly important conversation that we have to continue to have. Um, and like I said, make it a conversation. Make it a conversation. Be open with people. Listen to their concerns. Make it a conversation. Um, don't waver on, on your stances, but that doesn't mean you, you, you have to be closed either. Um, I think, like I said, this is this was incredibly important that we get to this uh, right now, right around the time of March for Life. Uh, and I thank you for joining me on this. I ask you to share this episode out with all your friends and family and and uh, loved ones. And let's let's come together and let's try to be that community that we were talking about ever since the very first episode of this show. Let's try to be that community. Um, I thank you and. I would ask that you would subscribe to us on iTunes so that you'll never miss an episode. You can follow me on Twitter, 
at Caleb Franz, and then follow the show on Twitter, at Mill Liberty, so that you'll never miss an update. And we have some interesting conversations on there from time to time, too, if you are into that sort of thing. I thank you for listening, and don't forget that next month is our biggest month yet. I am very excited about this, because not only are we going to be at Students for Liberty Conference, the International Students for Liberty Conference in D.C. on from February the 17th to the 19th, we will also be at uh, CPAC, and we have a very big announcement coming um, concerning that, and Jeffrey Tucker will be on with us, uh, Zuri Davis, and and a lot of familiar faces and some new faces at the Students for Liberty Conference. Um, and stay tuned for, for hopefully by next week we will have um, some new and exciting details on CPAC as well. So, um, and the best way, of course, to, to be up to date on that is, of course, to follow us um, and subscribe to us. So be sure to do that. And until next week, we'll see you then.